Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we are looking at the Sunday slate of NFL games from week six and telling you what mattered most from every single game. We're going to go a little bit deeper into the context of what we saw, not just the results themselves, not just the stats, but the performances, how they came about, where teams are six weeks into the season, all that good stuff. I'm Trevor Sykema. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sycamore. That is Connor Rogers. Joining you guys on a Monday morning, which means it's time to give you what mattered most from the NFL slate that we saw on Sunday. Full transparency due to schedules. We are currently recording this podcast as Eagles Cowboys are about to kick off. So maybe near the end of the podcast, Connor, we can give some halftime takes of Eagles Dallas, depending on how close the game is. But uh, other than that, man, Chiefs Bills. Uh, your Jets got a massive win in Green Bay, my guy. You got to be flying high. It was wild. It was. I I said this on the Badlands pod. This is the thing that you you would laugh at, Trevor. Like, it was funny for the first time in as long as it's been so long since since I can remember this. Everybody, it felt like everybody was watching the Jets Packers. Like usually the Jets game is like they get the worst, the lowest priority broadcast booth. They. Mm. Nobody cares. Nobody's watching. Nobody in like the national media or just all the great Twitter personalities. This was the one where I was like, wow, everybody's watching Jets Packers right now, especially not when they went Jets, up two baby. touchdowns. Not it was, these Jets. Yeah, the, not these Jets. That, these Jets are, are you are dumping all your stock? Are you dumping what? Are you oh, dumping yeah. all your stock? <laughs> yeah, no, you're holding now. You're <laughs> holding now because of that performance. You're not selling at all. Oh, I'm dumping this bad boy the second the market opened. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I don't know. I got to, I got to, I got to debate. I got to debate. We're going to get to the Thursday show this week and we'll come to a conclusion of whether or not it's, uh, it's, it's, it's continue to buy, continue to hold or continue to sell on your, on your New York Jets. Before we get to the Jets though, I do want to start things out with the Bills and the Chiefs because that was, yep, of you course. know, I, I feel like the topic that everybody's going to talk about is the one that you and I can't wait to talk about so much so that we just start talking about the game before we even hit record on the podcast. So we always try to not do the pod before the pod. And I, I want to dive in to Bill's Chiefs first. Bill's huge road win yeah. in Kansas City, 24 to 20. Josh Allen was nothing short of absolutely spectacular in this game. It felt like at times he was willing this offense to win. Not that he was truly doing it alone. The Bills are a good football team. But what separates this Bills team from 
I would say literally any other team in the NFL other than the Kansas City Chiefs is that they have that dude at quarterback. I know it's a massive dub, but he showed up when you needed it most. These two teams, one of them is going to win the Super Bowl, Connor. I know it's an obvious take, but I'm I, I I'm just I have to say it after what we watched yet again. One of these teams is going to win the Super Bowl. What'd you think about this one as you watched it? I think what matters most is that the Bills now are mentally over the hump of, you know, can we get past these guys? And it's huge. I, I think they're a competent team. I think they're led by a, a competent staff. I think the quarterback is extremely confident because he could just do things that most quarterbacks and most athletes in this world can't. But I think when you mentally have digested that you've done it, it changes your entire you know personality going into this game when they inevitably meet in the AFC Championship. And mm-hmm. my my mini my honorable mention what matters most is this is why you go give Von Miller the contract you did 100%. because 100%. You look at what the Bills have done, right? And you look at where the Chiefs are. The Chiefs have won a Super Bowl and the Chiefs are maybe maxed out in a lot of ways cap wise. The Bills were able to keep stacking the deck and go get a gigantic piece because of how they went out against the Chiefs last year to try to get over the hump. And just what Vaughn did in this game uh, and what Vaughn will do in really, really big games is worth every single penny. And, you know, credit to the Bills. I I thought the Chiefs, uh, truthfully, I thought the Chiefs would win this game. And I didn't think that would take away anything from the Bills and what they can do in the postseason. But... Going on the road, the fact that the Chiefs, you know, have their number recently, but still a huge credit to the Bills and just how talented they are and and how ready they are to really make a true Super Bowl run this you year. You know, you know, it is funny. You say um, that you thought the Chiefs were going to win this game. What we were talking about right before we hit record was after the Bills scored, my first reaction was, "Oh no, too much time again." Oh no, Buffalo, because it was more than, you know. 13 seconds that it was in the playoffs that Mahomes is able to get into field goal range and he had more time and he would have needed to go down and get a touchdown instead of a field goal. So it was a little bit different of a situation, but I genuinely felt, and I think that everybody in the world probably felt, Oh no, you know, here it comes again. Here comes the chiefs. Here comes Patrick Mahomes. And you know, my, my one thing that mattered most, I think from this game is something that you touched on a little bit. And I guess it is a little bit to echo what what you said there, getting the monkey off your back mentally when it comes to beating the best. And I understand that the Kansas City Chiefs did not win the Super Bowl last year. But is it weird to say that it feels like the Chiefs almost should win it every year since 2018? I mean, every single year we have watched this team, even in the years that they don't win and they haven't won since then, I think to myself, well, Kansas City probably should have won this year. It's just where they are. It's just how that team is constructed. And, you know, I go back to college football as well because myself, I'm sure, Connor, you were you were this way. I'm sure everybody else in America was like this. Watching Tennessee beat Alabama this past weekend, there is something about Alabama that I think is similar in some ways to the Chiefs. I, think this I agree. Ex- I think this exists a little – not a little bit. I think it definitely exists more in college football than it does in the NFL – when you go up against Alabama, it's not just that physical battle and even the execution and, and running as fast as you can, playing as hard as you can, all of that. There is a mental aspect to playing Alabama where Tennessee almost lost that mental game. How many times have we seen this over the Nick Saban era where 
you look at a matchup and you go, this team could have beat Alabama. Mm -hmm. Unit to unit, player to player, they could have hung with this team. They could have beat this team. And what happens almost every time, Connor, the end of the game, when the clock hits zero, Alabama is the one with more points. They find a way. And there are very few teams, I think, since Nick Saban has really established that dominance in Alabama that have been able to get over that mental Goliath that you face when you know you're going up against those guys. I don't think the Bills are afraid of anybody. This is a team that certainly takes on the identity of their head coach, and I don't think Sean McDermott's afraid of anybody. But there is still, in the back of your head, when you play, when you play the Chiefs, you go, yeah, but it's the Chiefs. And if you let that even just fester at all for a second, it can sometimes be the difference between a win and a loss. And it's those championship caliber kind of teams that don't let those kinds of things creep in. And my biggest, to bring this all back to it, what mattered most is that the Bills are certainly showing they're not afraid. And moving forward, when they play this team in the AFC Championship game, there's going to be no, oh, can they get over the hump? Can they beat the Chiefs? Are they good enough? Will they ever? Yeah, is put it this to bed. window, we, we put it to bed. And that is where we are with these teams. And I think that that's kind of um, where the Chiefs were going in the NFL towards that Alabama arc. I guess it was a little bit like that with the Patriots as well. Patriots probably the closest thing to Alabama that we've seen in the NFL. And I think that the Buffalo Bills really, really, really did a lot more than just get a win in the win column this week. I think it's something that's going to carry with them throughout the season and when these teams eventually face off in the playoffs again. How hot is the AFC East right now? Scorcher. Just an absolute scorcher. It is indeed. By the way, Von Miller, these are initial stats that we have in PFF's database. You mentioned this is why you pay him game. Eight pressures, seven hurries, two sacks, over 25% pass rush win percentage. Dude just went off. And I think he had the pressure on Mahomes' game-ending interception. Yes, yeah. Against a double team. Against a double team. He split a double team to get in in Mahomes' face to force that throw. So, amazing. There you go. Amazing. What What a fantastic game. I can't wait to see that one again in January. And like I said at the top, man. One, I think one of these teams are winning the Super Bowl, and it's going to be a lot of fun to sit I back so and too. see which one executes the best. Uh, what's the next game you want to get to that matter most here? Why don't we get into the Bucks and Steelers, uh, honestly? Because yeah, it's... why don't we bring it up? Cool. You sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just do it. We're let's ripping the Band-Aid it. Let's off. get it all out on the table, baby. What are we doing? <laughs> the reason I went to this game was because I really, truly, I haven't texted you all day about it i have done very little twittering about it um appreciate it thank you you know it's a game i saw enough of but i really really need the trevor what the hell and then the what the matters most so this is your floor my friend yeah um not a great result to say the least buccaneers fall to the pittsburgh steelers in pittsburgh uh by a score of 20 to 18 there's no way around it. This I, I, I tweeted this after the game. I said this is an embarrassing loss, and it is hopefully a reality check game for the Buccaneers. And Todd Bowles got up to the podium in the postgame presser and said, there are still people in this organization who are living off the Super Bowl that we won two years ago. That's what Todd Bowles said. There are people who are living off of that. I'm not going to sit here and, and name players' names because I'm not around the team 
I would not be able to say that with full confidence who it is. I can't tell that just by how people play on Sunday. I really can't. It goes a lot deeper than that. It goes into preparation. It goes into meetings. It goes into everything. But there is without a doubt that there are some star players on this team who are not playing the way that they need to. Vita Vea, Devin White, the offensive line, Leonard Fournette, like the, the these the, the Bucks secondary, which was just, dude, in the second half alone, Tampa gave up a third and 11, a third and 13, a third and 15, a third and 15. I in saw that. In the second half alone. Dude. If, if, if they would have stopped one of those, the game's probably different. If they would have stopped one of those, the game is probably different, and Tampa probably ends up getting at least a field goal to, to win that game by one point. But they don't. They didn't stop any of them. The defense is not where it needs to be. The pass rush is terrible. Somehow the run defense is bad. Somehow the secondary is bad. They're not able to generate pressure no matter what they do. Byron Leftwich does not have a good handle on when to call what plays. He's trying to stay balanced. It's not working. They're calling. Dude, the Bucs had first and goal after a penalty at the nine-yard line. First and goal. And they just ran the ball after Leonard Fournette was averaging about three yards a carry, if not less at that point in the game, your interior offensive line to that point was getting absolutely manhandled by the chiefs defensive line. And you decide to waste a down on a first and goal situation in the red zone by running the ball. What's the best case scenario that that happens there? It's it's second and goal at the seven. How is that any different? It's just, it's mind numbing to me. I know I'm going off on a rant right now, but it is wild to see because Look, I tweeted after the game that, hey, as wild as it is and as bad as the Bucs are right now, the playoffs are still in contention. The NFC stinks. Stinks. They could very much still win their own division. They could get into the playoffs even as a wild card. That's still a reality. But for this team to be where they are, for the execution to be as bad as it is, for them to get as manhandled as it felt like they got in almost every level of offense and defense – wild to me Lou Gadecki at, at uh Gedecky at, at, at left guard was an absolute liability as cam at cam against cam Hayward he had his absolute way with him Donovan Smith was struggling against Alex Highsmith they didn't have this team didn't even have TJ Watt what's the record of how many games they've lost when they didn't have TJ Watt well give them another win in the win column it might be their first so bad Steelers team way to go Mitch Trubisky to come in there get the dub at the end Steelers played their ass off for as much as guys were hurt. They had a lot of starters, especially in the secondary that were out in this game. Kenny Pickett goes out with a concussion. You hope that he's okay. Mitch comes in, finishes it off, gets the win. But the bigger story, no doubt about it, is this Bucks team was a team that had division title and potential Super Bowl aspirations, and they are nowhere close to that second one. Nowhere close. I don't know where the help comes from. I don't know how it gets better. They're not in a good place right now. So there you go. Thank you for letting me get that off my chest. No, it was great. It really was. And that's why I wanted you to take the floor. And it, I mean, they obviously have the talent and the quarterback and all of those things to figure this thing out and get right and take care of business and, you know, make this raw loss barely a blip on the radar. But it was stunning. It, it was honestly stunning, the circumstances. Steelers and are bad. Steelers are bad. The man. Steelers are bad and good for them. Uh, for taking for pulling off a huge upset at home and you know never rule out a Mike Tomlin team ever this is what they can always do it's really nuts ain't ain't that the truth it's nuts I just you know the one thing Trevor that I found interesting that you know the internet of course was talking about but I really did find it interesting 
the image of Brady screaming at his line, which I, whatever, mm -hmm. but, you know, the whole, you go to a wedding this weekend, you, there's no walkthrough Saturday, you fly private, apparently, to Pittsburgh for the game. It's just not a good look. I, I don't know. I don't care that you're Tom Brady. You know what I mean? I just... I know what you're saying. I, I, I get what you're saying, but I will as a little bit of a counterpoint to that because you you never want one person to be above the team right i think that that's that that is something that matters but tom brady is probably if not at the bottom of the list very close to the that's bottom a, of the that's list a good point. of people to blame for this game yep this dude was throwing dimes to people all day and it's he has been for the last couple of weeks and people harp on him because he's not perfect. But guys, if, if we start pointing the finger at Tom Brady for the for the reasons why this Bucks team isn't good, you're just you're pointing in the wrong direction. So you bringing that up, it to it, I mean, it's totally justified because certainly people who haven't watched every snap of the Bucks, which I have, and 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 people who aren't ingrained in it fully would yeah. would kind of look Raise at that. And I'd, I'd do the same thing. I'd be like, mm, not a great. I mean, like. You know, there's been the rumors have been swirling around the, the optics team all off season, yeah. and now you're going to a wedding, and it's like if that wasn't already a distraction, like Tom Brady is definitely causing some unnecessary distraction to this team. But he's also one of the only few that suits up every Sunday and does his job to an elite level. So it's, I don't, it's not a Brady issue. Coaching staff's in trouble. I think Todd Bowles is in trouble right now. The way that they've got those guys playing is just. Not great. Not great. Can we move on? Can we move on? Yeah, can, let's Can we move talk on. about something happier? Can we talk let's about the Jets on. win? Can we talk about the Jets sure, win? Sure, Jets on. win. The Jets currently in a playoff spot, I may add. Sitting there at 4-2. and 3-0 and with Zach Wilson back. How is it, my friend? Tell me how it is. It's, it's you know, still kind of hard to process. <laughs> I, I think that because it's the way the season started where, like, Robert Sala had to go on the full defense about, you know, keeping receipts and, you know, I believe, like, which, by the way, clearly a genius because the team has just been full throttle since that whole uh, press conference. But the Jets, to me, what's most important right now is that they are finally a tough football team. And what I mean by that is yeah. they've won three games on the road. They have won in Cleveland, they have won in Pittsburgh, and they have won in Green Bay. That is not easy to do. No. And the thing that travels with the Jets is that they will run the football with Brees Hall mm -hmm. and Michael Carter. And what was once a patchwork offensive line, starting to find their footing a little bit. Dwayne Brown looks really good at left tackle. ABT's filling in at right tackle until George Fan or Max Mitchell can find their way back. Lakin Tomlinson at left guard, Connor McGovern at center, and Nate Herbig, a player that did not get tendered by the Eagles, doing a good job starting at right guard. Big Nate. The, the tight ends are involved. Brees Hall just and Sauce Gardner look incredible. They look like they're eight-year All-Pros at this point. And the Jets being able to play good defense, attacking defense, and running the football makes them a tough out every week because that travels it goes places where zach wilson didn't really need to even do anything in this game he really didn't he completed 10 passes didn't turn the ball over had one deep throw to Corey davis that was it that was really his entire day and the honorable mention what matters most is that quinton williams 
is just a complete superstar. Oh, and that dude. wasn't always the case for Q his first couple years in the league. He, he didn't have any counterparts around him that were very good. Sometimes the defensive scheme didn't always match how good of an attacking player he can be. His second year under Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich and with talent around him like Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers, Quinn Williams is a total superstar against the run and as a pass rusher. And everything people thought, a lot of people had him as the top player in that draft class. And, and he is really turning the corner of being that level of player this year. Brees Hall through, I mean, I, obviously we've got the Eagles game coming up, so we don't have the Eagles stats, um, the Cowboys stats or the Broncos and the Chargers, but top 15 in rushing yards, top 20 in yards per attempt. I mean, he's he's playing well, man. You you mentioned they're leaning on him, but he is continuing to deliver. Sauce Garner is... Dude, he's he's almost a top five corner in the league already. It's it, right. It really. I, I, we'll I, get I, there. I, I, you don't you don't have to say it because if you say, it, people might come after you about it and be like, "Oh yeah, Jets bias." But like, I'll say it for you, dude. He's the way that this guy is moving, the confidence that he's playing with. Now, what I can't wait for is, and sorry, but this is going to happen, of course. I can't wait for him to hit a valley, right? Sure. He's given up a couple of catches. He has a couple of bad weeks in a row because that's when you really see, okay, does this guy have a potential to play corner really well? Or is he just an overall really damn good corner? It is a cyclical position. You are at the mountaintop and then you are at the very bottom of the valley. And that's just how corners played. I was talking with Mike Renner about this earlier today. And we were talking about what is the, what's the position in the NFL in which you see that the most, you can go from riding high to then absolutely you're like a nobody in two or three years and shoot even shorter than that. I feel like it could be corner. I remember Marshawn Lattimore had, I don't remember his rookie year, his sophomore year in the NFL, but Marshawn was like a top three corner in the league. And then all of a sudden that next year, immediately after it, it was, everybody was going after Marshawn. He was, he was playing poorly. Now he's playing well again. And so that kind of shows you the resilience of how he is at corner. I can't wait to see that part of sauce Garner because you're already seeing the highs. You already know he could compete at the highest level can he get back to that after he maybe has a couple of bad games in a row that will show you what the jets really have at cornerback in him because right now the potential is totally there for him i'll uh i'll flip sides and i'll just say a couple of things about the packers they stink um and i don't i don't, and I don't say that i don't say that to like take away from the jets win at no, all no whatsoever. no no there's two sides to this but yeah. it's i mean it's a, it's a season-long thing for the packers defense now um run defense is just unbelievably soft i'm looking at a couple of different things here quay walker is right now a complete liability in run defense dude he, he is a 29.9 run defense grade per pff rashawn gary is the only player in the box with a run defense grade above 70 he's the only player not just this week whole season they're giving up almost five yards a clip to teams that are uh, to teams that are rushing, third worst defense in the NFL. That includes this week in EPA per play allowed on the ground, worst EPA per play allowed on the ground when in two high defenses. So that's something that's bad too because they cannot fortify what they need to up front when they are running too high. We talk about this all the time in this podcast. That's where things are going, right? You've got to live in a too high world if you want to be able to beat some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But the only way you get to do that is if you do your job up front. Packers ain't even doing their job up front. So it's it's tough right now, man. They are 
they're way too soft. They're they're giving up. And I, I almost hate using the word soft because it's kind of like a trigger word, but I'll just say they're giving up way too much on the ground right now. They've got to be way more stout on the in the ground game. That's where everything on the thing on their defensive um, outlook and changes needs to begin because right now they're just simply letting teams move the ball on the ground and stacking L's because of it, unfortunately. I mean, the second half of this game, the Jets go up two touchdowns after they return a block punt. It's 17 to three. Rogers answers on the next drive. Uh, Lazard scored on Brandon Eccles backup Jets corner that was in but I mean whatever it doesn't like they they scored they went down the field response drive by Green Bay at 17-10 the Jets just literally punched them and kicked them in the teeth the rest of the game they said we're gonna we're gonna run at you and you better have your big boy britches on because it's gonna get real ugly in here and and man this is harsh man Packers looked gutless from there on out. Yeah. Gutless. They didn't want to play that kind of football. I couldn't believe what I was seeing at Lambeau Field. Couldn't believe what I was seeing. And ultimately, it just they just dug themselves in such a hole because they couldn't. Say, that was Towards the end of the game, the Jets had like 45 running plays in a row because the Packers would just get a penalty on third down, and the clock just eventually basically ran, ran out, and that was that. That's tough, man. You know, Green Bay and Tampa, those are two teams in the NFC that people thought could be contenders, could represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Neither of those teams anywhere close to being able to do that at an actual level. A lot of time, but it's you're right. It's When you're getting close to Halloween, you got to start hitting the button of like, yeah. okay, we better figure this out. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Can we talk about the other New York team? Absolutely. Talk, dude, we got five and one New York Giants. The five and one, five and one. New York Giants. I, I'll, 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 Defer to you first. What is your thing that mattered most that you saw from the Giants win against the Ravens? Of their entire schedule, Connor, I would just say first that I could have maybe seen it for a couple of these other teams that they've gotten wins for. I'd have told you ain't no way in hell they're beating the Ravens this weekend. I don't care if it was at home. I was like, there is no way they're beating the Baltimore Ravens this weekend. And here we are. It's crazy. It's crazy. And good for Wink Martindale, obviously, in this game, calling the Giants defense, long tenure there, really impressive tenure there in Baltimore. I think what matters most to me with the Giants right now is that they can win with Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be completely honest with you here. Like, do I think they even think Daniel Jones is their long-term future? I mean, not even like going back to the didn't pick up the fifth year option, all those things. I think he he does enough. This will eventually, in my eyes, become that like Jimmy G situation of, and that might even be too much considering how much Jimmy won, but like where they want more from the position. Sure, right. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I know. Exactly I'm not what a saying. like a well known, not a Daniel Jones guy. You have to give credit that he is doing enough in the structure that Dable's been able to provide him oh, yeah. with not much at wide receiver at all. Obviously, a very, very good resurgent Saquon Barkley. Jones is playing. Here's what I'm trying to say. Jones is playing efficient football for the first time in my eyes in his career, where yeah, not he's everything normally is normally not that quarterback. He's not that kind of guy. He's right. a high variance kind of guy. You're and not now, that guy, pal. You're not that guy. Trust me. He's just. You look at him and you're like, okay, you're playing smart football. Not everything's a, a gasp when you're, why did he throw that? Or why, oh no, he's holding the ball too long. Here comes the strip sack. <laughs> you have to give credit to Jones 
because he is doing enough for a Giants team that plays so freaking hard right now for this staff that they can keep winning games. I wasn't a believer of the first three wins. I was sitting there like, man, that, how are they doing this? Maybe the teams they're playing are bad. The way they've beaten Green Bay and now Baltimore and Jones being efficient, not a star, not a star, but efficient with his dropbacks, it's just wildly impressive. And the NFC stinks, like you said, Trevor. The Giants are going to be a tough out right now. The Giants are going to be a tough out. They are a team that nobody can explain it, but nobody really wants to see them now. I mean, I, I, I agree completely. And my one big takeaway is that the Giants are a good football team. They're, they're, not, they're not this fun, cute story anymore. They're not, oh, you know, they won a couple of games at the beginning of the season. This is an incredibly well-coached football team. Clearly, Brian Dable has a great finger on the pulse of his roster, how to oh, put yeah. guys in great positions. The coordinators for the Giants are very in sync with their players, their strengths, who they have available to them every Sunday, who they don't, what plays to call, when to dial things up, and the game plans that are going to get them victories every single week. And that starts with putting their guys in the best position and then also taking a good look at what some weaknesses might be of the other team. And that is kind of my my bigger or more detailed one big thing or one thing that matters most is that the giants no matter what are going to be who they are they are not forgetting their identity i think in a lot of times in this chess match of nfl teams and chess match of coaching staffs sometimes coaches get a little ahead of their skis when they look at the team that they're going up against and saying okay well this team doesn't do very well against this okay so like let's focus on this let's start calling this like let's let's go into the weekly game plan and focus on these things but sometimes they might have a tendency to okay well do your players do that well because if they don't then they're not going to be able to execute it the communication is not going to be where it's going to be need to be the p's and q's won't be there giants are who they are Giants are who they are every single week, and they're playing to their strengths, and I think that you're seeing it. Dude, what's most impressive about what the Giants are doing is they went into this week with the least amount of explosive passing plays in the NFL. The least amount of explosive plays. Dude, that's why plays. it was so hard to buy they're in. 5-1. Their, tur their turnover differential is simply plus two. It's not like they have this crazy turnover luck that is going their way. They just play, and I hate I, this so cliche and so coach speak, but they're playing Giants football the way that they are set up to with their strengths. And it's coming out and it's beating some of these teams that are still trying to figure out their identity at this point in the year. So if you falter at all, if you get away from maybe the things you do well, because look, I said going into this week, that the Ravens are going to beat the, the Giants. I wasn't having any reservation about it because I looked at what could be for that Ravens team. Okay, they're blocking well up front. Obviously, obviously Lamar Jackson has already played well this year. They've got Mark Andrews they can lean on. The receivers are are uh, are playing well when they're, when they're out there and healthy and at full strength. I know they weren't at full strength without Rashad Bateman, but you know what I mean. There's so many things with Baltimore where you go, okay, this is what they could be. This is what they could be every single week. But it's still a little bit of a gamble for a lot of teams this season for – certain I'll say offenses specifically to play up to what they are supposed to Tom Brady said it a couple weeks ago when he got up to the podium he's like I see a lot of bad football around the NFL right now and I think what he really meant is you're seeing a lot of teams and you go okay this is how good the Ravens could be or this is how good the, the Packers could be or the Buccaneers could be or whoever it is 
and you're just not seeing that team. With the Giants, you go, this is what the Giants could be. And it feels like every week they are that team. And so if you aren't bringing your best game, whatever it is, they're going to bring theirs. And clearly, they're probably going to beat you. So hats off to Brian Dable, man. That's my thing that matters most. Man, you, you just got to give it to them. They've been... Consi- okay, considering expectations, they have to be the most impressive team in football when you factor in the variance, the spectrum between expectations compared to what they're doing. It's funny, like them and the Jets, both New York teams who have been so bad for so long lately, are the ones that are punching the most above their weight class. And we're kind of at the point where it's like, okay, they keep doing it. Is this who they are and who they're going to be? We'll see. I see. I, why would you pick against them at this point? I wouldn't. No. So I'm, no, I'm trying to have fun. I don't want to. Pick it's a blast. Them. Yeah, it's, it's too a, fun. It's too fun watching them. It's a blast. I'd also, okay. I'd also shout out the Seahawks there. Because okay, Seahawks we, are in the. Want to go there quick then? Transition. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we can do that. So, <laughs> Seattle uh, beats Arizona 19 to nine. I'm going to mm-hmm. be totally honest with you, not to be the oh I knew this because I have plenty of picks wrong this week. When I saw Seattle was field goal underdogs in this game, mm-hmm. when the lines open this week, I was like, what the hell is the book watching with this one? Arizona. People. Arizona's Ve- cheeks. Vegas Vegas will not quit the Cardinals. They will not quit the Cardinals. I don't know why. And it's also disrespect toward, like, what more do you want from Seattle? Seattle Seattle's not this, like, team that everybody's just going to run over they're three and three right now and they're tough out all the time so okay so let's uh, my well i don't want to i feel like this is our unified one we just we love what we saw from kenneth walker today this is one that we saw we we talked about before we did the show yeah this is a team under pete carroll that no matter what geno smith does they always want the run to be their identity which can help their pass game Mm -hmm. i mean trevor obviously it just it's so vital that Kenneth Walker is the guy they thought they were getting when they drafted him and that's exactly how this looks. Yeah, I mean you you hit the nail on the head there and how good did Rashad Penny look before he got hurt, right? I mean what whatever they got going on there for as much as we've made fun of and when I say we, I don't just mean me and you, I feel like everybody collectively have kind of poked fun at the Seahawks and their draft strategies with some of these running backs yeah. over the last couple of years, right? Yeah. Rashad Penny was a first rounder, right? And they go to yeah. they would go back to Kenneth Walker in the early parts of the draft uh, at the beginning of day two this year. And so you just go, man, what, what are you, what are the Seahawks doing? And Rashad Penny looked fantastic before he went out. Kenneth Walker comes in relief of him, takes the, takes this, that starting job when he goes down with injury. Kenneth Walker looks incredible. Dude, did you see that fake stiff arm he put on Byron Murphy today? <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Filthy. Kenneth, Sick. Kenneth Walker is playing with so much confidence. You go all the way back to the way he was playing last year at Michigan State, won the Doak Walker Award because he just believed he was the baddest dude on the field every time he touched the ball. And I think that you still see that in the NFL, which is great to see as a rookie. Sometimes that fades. Sometimes go, oh, I'm in the pros now. I can't like do the same stuff. And Kenneth Walker's like, nah, I'm doing the same stuff. Or at least I'm going to go for it. And he's really been able to uh, to play very well uh, with, with him starting just the last couple of games here. I'm going to give a shout out to Tariq Woolen as well. Great call. How good is Tariq Woolen, man? I know we've talked we talked about him on the podcast last Thursday when we were doing our all rookie team. We gave him a shout out um, as an honorable mention guy that we wanted to just get on the list and give some praise to. But another interception today, and like I said last week, these interceptions are impressive 
They're not luck interceptions. They're not just like, oh, yeah, cool, put it in the stat sheet. But he didn't really do anything. The ball kind of bounced to him. He's making a lot of these interceptions happen. So big shout-out to Tariq Woolen. Um, shout-out to everybody who had Seattle on the money line this week. I said on, the you. Is- I said on the Issues Football Show that that was my lock of the week on Tuesday. I was like, I, I was right there with you, Connor. I was like, how is what Arizona is favored? They are the road team. They are bad. They are not well-coached. There are holes on the roster. They're going up against one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL to this point. What am I missing? And it turns out I wasn't missing anything. Go Hawks. I mean, every time I watch Arizona, I just sit there and go, it, it is truly like watching a young kid play Madden with Vic in 04 mm-hmm. and just run around and do things. Mm-hmm. That's the offense with Kyler Murray. Run around and do things. They, they get Hopkins back next week he's back from too late so uh, and uh, don't get me wrong i think it is yeah. it is too late i don't think to play out the the arizona problems are a, are a playoff contender but i am intrigued to see yeah. how much the offense changes with try to get him in rhythm because this is your guy kyler murray so you've got to get him in rhythm all right trevor where do you want to go after this game Ooh, what do you know what i want to do next um Bengals saints yeah, that's where I. That's what I was hoping you would say. Yeah, that's probably that's probably the next one. What do you got on this one? For me, maybe a little too simple, but the Bengals' identity is Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase dominating. It is that is what got the Bengals to a very special place last year. I love T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd had a very efficient possession game, but they got a. They were trying all year, Trevor, to be this. Joe Mixon gets the ball 25 times or whatever it is, and we're, it, he could average two yards a carry. We don't care. Like, we just, we are going to keep doing this. And I, I, once again, this is a pro running back pod. This is a pro run game pod. This is a pro use the run game to open up the pass game pod. Sometimes you just got to be yourself. And to me, the Bengals are a drop back team with Burrow, just lighting teams up to chase. And if you can stop it, let's see it. And today, the Saints could not stop it. Obviously, playing with Andy Dalton, they were always going to be in a tough place to begin with, getting into a shootout kind of game with this with the Bengals. And the Saints obviously did make this a tough game, mm-hmm. hung around, uh, and played a really close game. But the Bengals finally accepting that identity, which is a coaching thing, not a player thing, is how they're going to get back on track to being one of the, the key competitors in the AFC. Yeah, just bro... The confidence of Burrow is is wild, man. I, I get that he was back in Louisiana. They were all feeling very comfortable. Yeah, so that walk in. You see the walk in with the jersey with, yeah. with Chase's jersey. I mean, that's just that's that's as good as it gets. And uh, Burrow played completely confidently today. He's the reason that they won. I love the I love the steady diet of of going to Jamar Chase, but also going to T Higgins. I agree with you that that Chase is clearly the guy who could break it loose for you. But Higgins has had a fantastic year as well. Yeah. Both of those guys got ten targets, and I do feel like. Maybe not an even split, but a close to dominant split is how you want things. I think in a perfect world, Cincinnati is getting both of those players double-digit targets because that means that you're probably appropriately prioritizing how much you pass versus how much you run because the Bengals, to start this season, were the team were one of the teams that ran the ball the most with the least efficiency, the lowest return on investment from it. So hopefully you learned a little bit from that and you go, okay, well, Clearly, the ball is a little bit better when it's in Burrow's hands. So I really do. I think the recipe for 
the Cincinnati Bengals his double digit targets for Jamar Chase and T Higgins, both of them every single game. That's what I think the game plan should be going into it. And you can adjust from there as kind of the game script goes on hard to have too many expectations here with the New Orleans Saints, no Jameis, no Michael Thomas, no Chris Olave. So it's, it's hard to have too many expectations for them to win. You know, as I was watching that game, man, I didn't think the Bengals were going to do it. And I didn't think the Bengals were going to do it because I felt like the, I felt like the Superdome, wait, is it called the Superdome still? Or is it, it's, it's, it's like the Caesars. It's got a sponsorship name, but you go, go off. Okay. So I, I just felt like that arena was just rocking and, Every time I watch a New Orleans Saints game in New Orleans, it just feels like the energy plays a part in the game, almost like it does in a college football game. And you don't get a lot of that in the NFL. And so now this isn't my thing that matters most because the thing that matters most is, is the Bengals game script and their game plan and their passing game plan, especially going into it. But the defensive numbers overall didn't look great. Obviously, you give up 30 points to Burrow. But I just still feel as though with New Orleans still tight in the divisional race, if you get guys back healthy, if you get into the swing of things, if you can maybe somehow win the division and get a home playoff game, like maybe that is something where you can win a game in January because I do feel like that place does have an effect on how that team plays defense. And look, execution-wise, didn't help Tyron Matthew blowing the tackle on Jamar Chase, but it helps, I think, in a lot of other reasons, and they definitely feed off of that. So, um Tough to expect too much from New Orleans today with all the injuries, but that did stand out to me is the presence of home field for the Saints still, even in a loss. All right, let's stay with that division then. You said the Bengals, if they can win that division, they are uh, tied with Baltimore at the top, each three and three. But we'll go to Cleveland to, my goodness. I mean, Bailey Zappi right now, your quarterback, all-rookie team quarterback. Feels good, baby. Feels good. It's not even close right now. <laughs> yeah. I, so I'll pick it when out with a concussion. But he's still, yeah, he's still hurt. Yeah. And, and I know I get it that a lot of what Zappy's doing is like short and intermediate, well schemed throws. Credit to Matt Patricia, well schemed throws. But boy, the Browns, this defense, Trevor. I I don't think it really matters where they are when Deshaun Watson comes back. Outside of, they're just, if Miles Garrett isn't a hero, and he was in this game, Miles Garrett, it's not like Miles Garrett was contained in this game. It just feels like Miles Garrett had two sacks, and I believe a forced fumble, a strip sack on one of them. The Browns' defense is just an absolute mess from top to bottom, and to me, that starts with the staff. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think I think they have to have a serious conversation soon about, listen, we are building something this year, that's supposed to be a launching point for when the quarterback we sl- we gave all this money to is back for a full season next year. Mm-hmm. So continuity is a key thing here. Is this the continuity on defense you want long term? I don't see how you could sell anyone that. And we'll get to the Patriots in a second. But my, I was alarmed by what I saw with the Browns defense today. Yeah. Oh, my, my thing that matters most is, look, I, I didn't really expect anything from the Patriots this year as much as I gave props to Bailey Zappi. Um, I still think that it's a low ceiling offense that they have going on there. I think the defense is kind of up and down. So I, I didn't really envision New England as a potential playoff team. I thought that if the Browns could have held on, um, then maybe when you get Deshaun back, you can go on a run and you could be a playoff team. So I thought that of these two franchises, the Browns were the ones that had playoff aspirations this year. But 
dude, I mean, they're in the same position as the Packers. They can't stop anybody, especially on the run. Third worst overall defensive EPA per play allowed this season. With that defense? Come on. 38 points and over 300 passing yards to the Pats at home. This is in Cleveland. I mean, this Joe Woods is the defensive coordinator, and Joe Woods has, I mean, he's been in the NFL a long time. I'm looking at his resume here. Yeah. He was he was with the Buccaneers coaching some of their defensive backs right after he came off the Super Bowl. So, you know, Rondé Barber, Brian Kelly, Jermaine Phillips, um, Dwight Smith, all those guys. Was with the Oakland Raiders. Denver Broncos, he was under Wade Phillips for a little bit as the defensive backs coach and then the defensive coordinator. He's with the 49ers in 2019, and then he's been with the Browns since 2020 as their defensive coordinator. But, like, man, when I was watching – because I I didn't get to catch this whole game, so I was watching this one on Red Zone. But it just just feels like when I watch this Cleveland Browns defense, it feels like me watching – Washington's defense over the last couple of years where I go, there's talent on this side of the ball and they're just not living up to it. Yeah. Why is this happening? They are right. They are very disappointing. They are not the team that we predicted them to be on the defensive side of the ball. And when you are as bad against the run as the Browns are, that to me is alarming because your identity on the other side of the football is running, right? Like that's how they built their team. They built their team as this smash mouth running team. How is the other side of the ball? How does that not carry that identity? Usually it does. And that's kind of alarming for me just as an outsider is, is clearly such a, I don't want to say philosophical difference, but execution mentality difference, whatever, whatever it is on the defensive side of the ball for Cleveland, because they, they can't get it done right now. They cannot get it done. I'll give an honorable mention shout out to the Patriots uh, rookie class, which obviously was was killed. And I certainly, I know specifically, I did not like the Tyquan Thornton pick. And and he had two touchdowns. He had one touchdown today. Um, he had two counting the, the rushing one. I forgot about the rushing one. But more importantly than Thornton, I think Cole Strange just played pretty well. But more importantly than that, Jack Jones continues to play at an extremely high level for Game. them really high level and that king and of course zappy i I mean you got to give credit where it's due so that's my honorable mention that the new england rookie class the early returns are are very good so far and and could be promising for them trying to enter a new era that will be very interesting to watch with zappy in the fold now all right before we go rapid fire on some of these other games get you guys out of here want to talk to you about our friends over at no house advantage they are changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy platform available today you play in pickup contests versus other people for a shot at winning $250,000 in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, and earn points for correct picks. Climb up that leaderboard and get your shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks. You can bet up up to five player props or over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sporting league, including NHL, NFL, MLB, NBA, PGA, MMA, even NASCAR. Sign up now with the promo code STOCK at NoHouseAdvantage.com or download the app on the App Store and get your first deposit match up to $25. Make sure you check out NoHouse Advantage today and experience daily fantasy redefined because it's not just about where you play, but how you play. And you guys won't want to miss out on this this season. Where are we going next? What's the next game you want to hit on, Connor? Dolphins-Vikings. 
Sure. Um, my quicker one. I mean, my my takeaway on this game is, hey, quietly, Vikings are sitting here at five and one. The quietest five and one in the NFL. Right. We're 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 talking about the Packers. Oh, you know what a disappointment the Packers are. What are the Packers going to do? Can they win the division? <laughs> Vikings whoop their ass game one, right? Yep. And now they are firmly in the driver's seat, sitting there at five and one. I have the power rankings up here. What's the Vikings? Vikings have the twenty third easiest or i guess i should say 23rd most difficult schedule so they have one of the easier schedules in the nfl moving forward dolphins is tough to say too much on they didn't have tua they clearly need tua skylar thompson started this game he goes out with a thumb injury teddy bridgewater comes in and they kind of make it a game there at the end before Jalen waddle fumbled it and kind of ended that but um it's just, I mean, it's it's hard to judge the Dolphins because if two is in this game, it's probably completely different. So tough to judge yeah. anything from the Dolphins side of things, even with it being a disappointing loss at home. But what are you going to do when you're not only your starting quarterback isn't starting the game, but then the guy you use to start at quarterback also leaves the game. So it's just, it was a mess for them. So I'd rather just give a hats off to the Minnesota Vikings and what they're doing sitting there at five and one. Yeah, a team taking care of business with the first-year head coach and Kevin O'Connell. They're kind of oddly somebody that nobody talks about because I think everybody was waiting for the Green Bay turning point. And I'm not saying it's not going to come. They're 3-3. Three and three. It's not like their season's in the toilet. But they just lost to the Giants and the Jets. And now Minnesota has quietly been taking care of business, and they're 5-1. and one. So I think they deserve a little bit more attention at what point, not at what point, because if you're not doing it, you're insane, you have to take them extremely seriously, even if they're playing kind of boring, efficient football in the mold they won today, where Cousins wasn't airing it out. He was just obviously had a, the rapport working with Justin Jefferson, as he always does. Dalvin Cook gets his touches and runs for 80 yards in his sleep with a touchdown. And I don't think the Dolphins' run defense has been very good. But yeah, when it comes down to it, the Dolphins will be evaluated when Tua is back because they looked so good with him early in the year. Damn. They went off. In pass in uh in pass rush today, hold on. I'm looking at uh, I'm pulling up uh, PFF Ultimate. It's stuff. six sacks. Yeah, Patrick Jones had two. Zadarius Smith had two. Daniel Hunter had a sack. Yeah, Zadarius Smith had eleven total pressure. That's that's bananas. That is big time. Four pressures for Jones. Six six pressures for Hunter. So okay, so that's where the conversation transitions because this is a problem. Tua or no Tua, the Dolphins can't pass protect. I mean, you watch the second half of the game against the Jets. Yeah, let me go look at the... Skylar Thompson got demolished. Demolished. The Teddy injury in the beginning of the game was a corner blitz, so that doesn't count for the line. But if this team can't... And Teron Armstead was inactive today, Trevor, which is becoming an injury issue again. That's my question with the Dolphins, Tua or no Tua. Can they even keep Tua healthy when he comes back? Greg Little has an initial passing grade of zero. I've never seen that before. He gave I've up, never, t- he gave up 10 pressures. Four sacks. How many snaps did he have? 72. <laughs> he started the whole game at left tackle. That's insane. He had an overall offensive grade of 22. Yo. This is going to be... You get, what do you get a 22 for? Like, what did he do that... Uh, run blocking, zero. he was in the 60s. Okay. Run blocking, <laughs> he was in the 60s, obviously. <laughs> what did he do? But yeah, Connor. Oh, man. All right. Dude, Liam Michael gave up three pressures. Brandon Shell gave up three pressures. 
Hunt gave up two. Williams gave up one. They they can't lose Teron Armstead for any longer. He has a lingering toe injury. I've never seen this. Zero. Zero. Dude, that's very pretty on pretty rare territory. Pressures. Yeah, it's tough. That is tough. All right, what's the next game? What do you want to hit next? Uh, San Francisco, Atlanta, kind of oddly sure. in a similar mold, right? Because San Francisco was so beat up in this game. But let me let me tell you just how beat up they were. Yeah. Hold on. I think I I think I I think I favored it this week. All right, you ready for it? Please. <clears throat> it's pretty nuts. 49ers injuries, and obviously, like, some of these are season-ending injuries, but these are players that would have been contributors, okay? Trey Lance, Elijah Mitchell, Tyler Croft, Jordan Matthews, Trent Williams, Colton McKivitz, Mike McGlinchey, and on defense, Nick Bosas, Sam Ibukam, Jordan Wilk, Jordan Willis, Javon Kinlaw, Arik Armstead, Maurice Hurst, Azid Alshir, Demetrius Flanagan, Emmanuel Mosley, Charvarius Ward, Jason Barrett, Jimmy Ward. Those are all players who probably would have been contributing or starting for the 49ers in this game that are either that were either hurt and out going into this week or just out for the year or in short term. That's a damn good lineup if it was fully healthy. It's wild. Truly wild. Who's winning with that? <laughs> that's probably the big that's probably the big takeaway. Who's winning with that? Dude. That's just, it's in, that's such a long, it's a pretty insurmountable list. As I'm looking at this game, the thing that stands out to me as we've done all these games, Trevor, is, and I'm sure I'm going to miss one here. Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. uh, Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. Marcus Mariota, and I'm, there's probably another one somewhere on this slate. Mm-hmm. All through for under 200 yards and one Sunday. Like, pretty decisively, right? All of them? Like, the the Jets beat up on the Packers pretty good. The Vikings took care of business against the Dolphins. The Falcons uh, really took care of business. They shut out the Niners in the second half of this game. So funny. Oh, and, oh, and I, I knew I missed one. I knew it. Uh-huh. Gino. Gino you know, threw for under 200 yards, and the Seahawks won. Wow. This is like, this is pretty weird territory that a lot of the winners threw for under 200 yards, which is just not seen in today's NFL. That is very strange. On the flip That's side, I do I do want to give the Falcons some credit. Obviously, you we have to. 28-14. Yeah. Uh, one, Arthur Smith in the locker room afterwards, just slamming Bud Lights with the team. Love that. Love well, don't that. love the, the beer choice, but love the... The, uh, yeah, but come, yeah, but come beer. on, you know it's just. I mean, there's, you know, they're just. It's a, it's the I think it's like the official beer of the NFL. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. They, yeah. they, they can't sneak anything else in there. Um, Falcons touchdown drives today, eleven plays, eleven plays, nine plays. This is an offense that is going to be methodical at best, right? They are going to operate best when they can lean on the ground game. Had two players with sixteen carries today. Huntley led the team. Actually, Huntley led the team with 16 yeah. carries. Algier had 15. But then my real what matters most for the Falcons is not just the fact that Kyle Pitts scored a touchdown, which, thank God, let's keep that moving. 
Marcus Mariota and the weapon that he is with his legs. Last two weeks, he's had 37 rushing yards, and then this week he had 50 and a rushing touchdown. I like this offense when they allow him to be a ball carrier. Agreed. You don't want to get him hurt, but for as much as you are leaning on your running game, allow one of your best running assets to be there for you and be a plus in the offense. Didn't have Coriel Patterson again today. And it seemed like they were willing to allocate some more of those carries and the more of those opportunities to Marcus Mariota. And I like the game plan when he's getting involved, even if it's not design touches, just telling him like, Hey man, you can take off, like feel free to take off. We, 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 we trust your eyes. We trust when you think that the best decision is to tuck it and run. So I, I, this Falcons team is going to be a ground and pound team this year. That's just what they're going to do at their best. They're going to have double digit play drives, 10, 12, 13, 14 play drives, whatever it is. And they're going to be a team that marches down the field. You're going to do that by utilizing all of your ground game assets. And I think Marcus Mariota is one of them. So keep that into the game plan moving forward. And I think good things could be happening for the Falcons. Absolutely. You have to. You have to if you're Atlanta. And that's something that Arthur Smith can, you know, go into the offseason no matter how their season finishes and go, I've, I've built an infrastructure here that is quarterback friendly. There's going to be a time where we're going to play one of the young pups, whether it's Ritter or they draft another one. And knowing that's the situation they're walking into makes you feel really good about their development. But it's it's good to see Marcus Mariota, like you said, Trevor, using the mobility to kind of enhance what they're doing on the ground game as well. What do we have left? Oh, I think we got two more. We Jacksonville two, Colts. Two more De- we can hit real quick. Yeah, yeah. and then we'll finish um, with the best game of the week. Oh, Lord. Why did we do this? How did we do this? I didn't mean for that to happen. People are going to turn off the pod. Okay, so... Don't turn off the pod. There's a surprise at the end. Yeah, thank you. There you go. Save it. Save it for him. That's good. Um, I don't know what the surprise is. You probably don't either, but uh, (laughs) that's why why it's a surprise. (laughs) So, Colts end up winning this game. It's in Indianapolis. 34-227 over the Jacksonville Jaguars. This was was low-key fun. Yeah. Like, like this yeah. game was fun. Trevor Lawrence had a couple of really nice drives in this game. Travis Etienne had a really big presence in this game. Jamichael Hasty had a 61 yard touchdown run. Like I felt like the Jags were making good plays on defense. I know people are going to yell at me about Chad Griffin's performance, but I thought that there were plays to be made on the defensive side of the football. And then on the other side of things for the Colts, they were flying around at home. They were playing with a ton of energy. Still don't have Jonathan Taylor. Didn't get a lot from the ground game. And so, you know what? They went to old reliable. And when I say old reliable, emphasize the old. Matt Ryan, 389 passing yards, three touchdowns, zero picks, 58 passing That's attempts. the best part. What year is this? Dude. What year is this? 58. Mike that Pen- means both Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco have had games this year of 58 passing attempts. It's a In 2022. It's a beaut. It's a it's um what's your what's your thing that mattered most what's your takeaway from this game my thing that, that matters was most that, is was that it that the no, ice, that they're gonna have to ice matt ryan's arm he needs tommy john uh and he's done for a year and a half so sorry matt ryan no i, I the thing that matters most is that the Colts season is officially back on track jacksonville was was surging there for a bit and now they're two and four and the Colts are are three two and one and this is a huge win for the Colts. Not that that needs, that's like not big brain theory or anything, but the fact that they can win with 
Matt Ryan efficiently and effectively throwing the football to not only Michael Pittman, but Alec Pierce getting going in the last three weeks is really, really important that when they get Jonathan Taylor back, now that they have two wide receivers that are effective in this offense, and even Paris Campbell, 757 and a touchdown is big. Um, I think the Col- I'm not saying the Colts are going to be who we all expected them to be, winning 11 or 12 games or whatever it is, but their season absolutely matters. And it was it was scary hours there for a little bit with them. I, I mean, it might still be scary hours, but I mean, we can we can have we can have some faith. I'm I'm looking at the score here because I want to see want to remember where they were in the game. Okay, they were down seven. 7-3, 14 to 3. Uh 14-13, 21-13. No, okay. They I mean they're fighting back a lot of it. They they did not get a lead in this game until 2 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Damn. Yeah. All right. This was this was a I feel like nobody cared about this game, but it was it mattered a lot today. Wow. No less did. They, they didn't they didn't take the lead until the very end. So the reason why I wanted to bring that up to to look at what the scores were is that Matt Ryan's numbers, though they were numerous in the common stats if you will they were very different this is a different script from what we have seen from the colts and it was how they attacked through they through the air they knew they couldn't lean on the ground game as much with jonathan taylor not there uh, even when jonathan taylor's been in there at different points in the year they haven't looked the, right the offensive line has not been able to block yeah. for him it has not been that kind of a team so instead they were really trying to get the ball out of matt ryan's hands early and it clearly worked for them they were able to move the ball pretty well against this jags defense ryan had an average depth of target of 4.5 yards this today against the jags his season average before this was 7.6 significantly lower almost half of what he was averaging going into this game his average time to throw as well for 2.48 this game it's 2.71 in the weeks up to this game so again getting the ball out of his hand very quickly, attacking the short game a lot better, relying on the playmakers to get the ball in their hands quickly and make things happen after the catch, as opposed to asking Matt Ryan to go for all of these air yards throughout the game. I actually, I should have looked that up. I can do that in two seconds if you have anything else to say about this game. But that's the thing that mattered most to me is you saying that the Colts season is back on track and, I think that there's reason to believe that. And one of the reasons might be this new offensive approach that it seems like they put into motion this game with how they use Matt Ryan. While you look that up, it's good to see Travis Etienne involved, explosive, had the 48-yard run in this game. Uh, I would like to see the targets go up. Two targets is not really how I would envision his usage in this offense, but... At the end of the day, that's that's something that Jacksonville needs to move over into as they try to find more explosive plays. Okay, so he had 40, 46.3 air yards today. Um, that's talking about how many yards he passed for that were in the air as opposed to after the catch. And then before this, it was, yeah, it was high. It was almost 10% higher. It was 55.8. So there we go. A little, little different strat here, Matt Ryan. Yeah, revitalized the career. A New Matt bit. Ryan. New Matt Ryan. Well, all right, last game. You better, now we're done. See everybody tomorrow a, for Stockwatch. <laughs> you better have a surprise. Like you better tell us where Robbie Anderson's getting traded to after he got. Oh man, I'm still working on the surprise. It's like a Cracker Jack box right now. Uh, oh man, Rams twenty-four to ten. Uh, I'm in a survivor pool with somebody else, and it's just me and one other guy. 
Unreal. And, uh, I picked the Rams this week. So good for you. It was sweating hard when Carolina kicked the field goal and then Matt Stafford threw the pick six and it was like 10 to three. I was like, good God, can we not do this? Please. <laughs> I think it was 10 nothing. My family. Yeah, scary. But it all worked out for you in a, I mean, my God. <laughs> Come on, man. Dude, what? Like, all right. Carolina, Carolina is going to be picking number one overall in the draft, right? Which is good for them. We said no, that it is, on, the, it is really good, on the rebuilding show for them. That's what matters most. Yes. Carolina is going to be picking number one overall. Stink. Trade you, pieces that you should trade. Yeah, did you see the did you see the Christian McCaffrey stuff this morning? Yeah, multiple for come on, multiple first rounders. Yeah, maybe maybe if you're tra- if if Carolina's trading a first round yeah. pick and Christian McCaffrey to get rid of his contract, I don't think people I don't I don't think Carolina realizes this if that's actually what their ask is because his contract goes up to. His cap number goes from eight million this year to nineteen next year, and then nineteen the year after that, and then fifteen on the 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 final year of the contract. It's a bad deal. They have to. Can they? Oh, they can Loophole? cut him. Oh, there is a there is an out. They okay, can maybe cut, I retract that statement. They can cut him. How does this work? They if they if they, the there's 20 2023 is a weird year of this contract because if they cut him in 2023 they save oh no never mind I, I was reading it wrong. They save a, they save a million next year if they can cut him. Um and then it goes up to 8 and then it goes up to 12. I was reading it wrong. So it's not as it's not as strange as I thought it once was. They can get out of the contract, but if you don't trade him or cut him, he's going to be on the books for 19 mil next year. Yeah. Which, for a, a totally rebuilding team, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, it doesn't man. make any sense. I don't even care if you have a, a rookie quarterback there starting and you go, oh, you want help for him. McCaffrey will be 27 next season. He's dealt with a ton of injuries. He's due a ton of money. It's just, I, he's a great player. It's Although you're right, there's a lot of problems of what is his value on the trade market. Not for a running back that's going to cost you 19 mil. Because no. what is... I know we're kind of going on a tangent here, but we already we already said what matters most, and that's the Carolinas getting the number yeah. one overall pick. Uh, uh, yeah, my Rams. What matters most is Allen Robinson had a pulse today, and they need to get him going to to really get back, you know, to what they expected to be. So that's a good sign for the Rams. You know what? That is a uh, that a, that is a good that is a good thing to happen. He looks super confident today. He looks very confident. Yeah. Okay. I so- think they went in to this week saying like we have to we have to have him involved. Average per average per year against the cap is already McCaffrey at number one. So you're 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 telling me that you're trying to get some team to trade you a first round pick? No way. For the most expensive running back in the NFL, with a significant injury problem. With a significant injury problem. There's no way. There's well, no way. It's not happening. Fire up That's the a surprise. Fire surprise. Up Christian McCaffrey shouldn't be traded. Because teams won't offer that kind of capital. Can't wait to see him on the Bills. Um, oh, baby. If the, if the Bills would have lost to the Chiefs, they might have done it. 
rage train. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they might have done it. They'd have been like, all right, screw it. When we meet you in January, it doesn't matter. It <laughs> does not matter. I mean, they already rage signed Von Miller and it worked. So <laughs> I, 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 I love rage mode Bean. He's just like, yeah. Empty the tank. Don't draft one time this upcoming April. Don't draft. Just trade it. Just trade all the picks. Unreal, F man. Fire up the Bryce Young edits. Chris uh, or uh, or Carolina Panthers fans. Man, it's you know what? This is a good uh, time to kind of tease the stop. I think oh, this is this the be... nugget. Is this the nugget? Is this a surprise? It, yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> the surprise is that Stockwatch is going to be the best one yet this week because this Saturday at college football was freaking awesome, and what? it was freaking awesome for draft implications as mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. and it matters at the top of the draft as well. So surprise you want to listen to the Stockwatch show this week wow the tease to listen at the end was simply to hear an even better <laughs> tease to tune in tomorrow that's a salesman folks that's a good co-host and that's why you should tune in to uh no well not tomorrow we're, we're we got it coming out on wednesday but the Stockwatch episode connor is right it was an incredible weekend of college football that we saw this past saturday a lot of really big time performances from guys that are draft eligible that that we're going to bring to the table and you know what connor I'll co-sign it. This is going to be the best stock watch that we have had on this podcast yet. I'm saying it. I agree. Dude, there it is, dude. I mean, come on. We're ready to go. Fun show. Fun week in the NFL. Obviously, some mega matchups. Some teams kind of leaning more towards entering the draft world. Probably when we get out of Halloween, those teams will be a little bit more carved out. But, dude, another good one in the books. I'm ready to roll for the rest of the week. When's the Halloween show? Are we going to dress up for the, oh, we have for, to. For the video pod? Oh, Let's Halloween's see. on Monday. Yeah, I mean, okay, all right, all it's right. literally perfect. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna dress. So up we'll be that. dressing up when we do this show. What matters most? Yes, right, right. In two weeks, I love it. In two weeks. Imagine if we didn't. We we dressed up when we record on Monday, and it's the day after Halloween, and we're idiots in costume. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. I'm glad we. I'm glad we figured this out now. Bingo point is always trying to figure out what's upcoming on the pods. You got it. If you were one space away and you were wondering if Trevor and Connor were going to figure out the pod while on the pod, you can cross that list off and you can get a bingo for this. I episode. also talked while you were looking something up. Oh, bingo I mean, space is just eight things that matter most for Bills Chiefs. It's a guaranteed dub. The bingo, Absolutely. the bingo card's a guaranteed dub because we are who we are. Thanks everybody for watching. Appreciate it. This is one of our favorite shows, but as Connor said, the stock watch on Wednesday going to be even better. I'm Trevor Sigma. That is Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. We'll see you guys on Wednesday.